Welcome to Asshole Court, the podcast where a group of lifelong friends choose a controversial public figure and examine their history through available public records and various publications to determine if that person is as much of an asshole as the general public suspects. The 11-point scoring works like this. On the low side, a score of 1 equals an asshole rating equivalent to Mr. Rogers. And on the high side, a score of 11 equals an asshole rating equivalent to Hitler. Pre-show asshole scores are given, and at the end of each show, after all information has been laid out, all three judges will give their final score. The subject's final score will be the average of these three numbers. Just a reminder, our judgment has no legal weight, is strictly an opinion, and is subject to change at any time, especially in the case of new evidence. It shouldn't be taken seriously. So, just don't. From St. Augustine to Thomas Beckett to Martin Luther King Jr., religious leaders have had undeniable social and historical impacts. Even if you're not a religious person, you can probably appreciate the positive historical role that some men and women of the cloth have played. But then there are the other men and women of the cloth. I'm talking about the religious leaders who shamelessly utilize their positions as self-described holy persons to enrich themselves, usually to the detriment of those that follow and support them financially. Folks that Jesus himself would probably get a good chuckle over dropping a biblical double-decker in one of the golden toilets of their palatial mansions. And folks, today's subject just might be one of the latter variations. Pat Robertson of Christian Broadcasting Network and the 700 Club fame. Is Pat Robertson just a misunderstood man of God? Or is he a borderline sociopath with an insatiable taste for wealth and all the things it brings him? Well, you get to listen and decide today on Asshole Court. Preliminary scores, guys. Randy, you want to go? Yeah, absolutely. All right. So my first memory of Pat Robertson was the 700 Club. When I saw it on the guide, I thought it had something to do with sports. So when I turned it to the 700 Club, I was extremely disappointed that it definitely was not having to do anything with Babe Ruth or Hank I was going to say, yeah, it was like 700 home runs. That's exactly (laughs) what I thought it had to do with. So I was let down. That was my very first memory of Pat Robertson. I know, obviously, televangelism is not one of my more favorite careers. So I guess, you know, televangelists, I'm not a huge fan of. So without knowing too much detail, high level, again, he pissed me off with his 700 Club and a televangelist. I'm starting him off with a 5.5. Okay. Buddy. All right. So I didn't do much research on, what's his name again? Pat Robertson. Pat Robertson. There is. we go. There you no, go. No, you didn't do any he's research. Ready. He's ready to roll. <laughs> yeah, I'm just ready to roll. I'm coming into this one. I mean, I've seen him on TV before, but mm-hmm. I mean, I have flipped through the channels. I grew up in the Catholic Church, mm-hmm. and uh, I always had a hard time listening to just preachers preach about how bad we're doing as a community nowadays. And hey, by the way, give me a bunch of money because mm-hmm. our church needs it. Mm-hmm. And that's just uh, it's always left a bad taste in my mouth. So. I always kind of just skirted religion for the most part, so I skirted doing any research on him as well. (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to have to say that just with my prejudice for preachers, pastors, and all that right off the rip, and assuming, just knowing how much wealth this guy has accumulated, preying on 
probably grandparents, grandmas, moms. I'm going to start off by giving him, I'll say a six. I think if the average guy is a three to four as an asshole, this guy's got to be at least a six as a starting point. Yeah. Yeah. And me, I grew up in a church that would fall in line with Pat Robertson's like prosperity ministry shit. And it was also a giant scam. So I... (laughs) I have a real bone to pick, so I'm probably a little biased on this. I just don't like uh, prosperity ministry, televangelism stuff, man. It, it seems like such an obvious scam to me. So I didn't like him from the beginning. But, you know, if the average person is like a three or four, I think yeah, I was going to give him, yeah, I was going to give him, yeah, about a six, about a six to start right. with. Seems like a pretty good place to start. Good yeah. deal. So pre scores 5.5, 6.0, and 6.0. All right, guys, we've got a lot to cover today to keep it at a reasonable length. So let's go ahead and get started. On March 22, 1930, Marion Gordon Robertson is born in Lexington, Virginia, to Gladys and Absalom Willis Robertson, a prominent politician who would eventually become a U.S. senator for two decades. Marion quickly earned the name Pat because his older brother Willis apparently liked to pat his big cheeks, saying, Pat, Pat, Pat. He that, also <laughs> There was a lot of stupid nicknames that were formed back in the day like that. Yeah, you yeah, know. yeah. Babe Ruth had a baby face, you know. So he did have a baby face. Babe. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's, they're common sense, but you don't get that much anymore. I Babe's guess. a little bit better than like Potato Head, which is uh, Babe Ruth also <laughs> sort of like a Potato Head to me. Not have a little. Don't bit get of me wrong. Head. Babe Ruth is like one of my favorite people of all time, but he had a giant Potato Head. <laughs> uh, so all right. Uh, also later on in life, Pat felt that Marion was too effeminate, and so he opted to be called Pat instead. Agreed. Yeah. yeah Marian, Good call on that. Yeah. John Wayne's real name was Marion, I believe, right? Really? Mm. I think that's correct. John Wayne's way cooler. I would I don't even like John Wayne, but that's for another day. <laughs> his father, who he says was the greatest influence in his life, spent most of his time in Washington. His mother, a deeply religious woman, spent much of her time alone. Mm. Quote, it was Absolutely the quintessential conservative Americana, said Dave Harrell, author of Pat Robertson, A Personal Religious and Political Portrait. He was raised in a valley of Virginia in the Scotch-Irish stronghold of conservatism in a little town with two colleges, Washington and Lee University and Virginia Military Institute. You said Washington and Lee? Yep. Washington okay. and Lee. That's one of the oldest schools in America, I believe. Yeah, it's a pretty well-known school. It's well-respected, I believe, right? guy I worked for one time, graduated from Washington and Lee, mm-hmm. he wrote part of the software that became the Marriott reward system when he was like 19 years old. Oh yeah. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. One of his fraternity brothers approached some of the guys that apparently I think his dad worked with some of the folks at Marriott. Okay. And introduced the software program. Things went through. He got paid. Man, I'll bet. And that's a uh, nice to have on the resume at 19. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. But he went to uh, Washington and Lee. Yes. Washington yeah. and Lee. Yeah. Washington and Lee and the Virginia military Institute is there in, in VMI. Uh, that's right, right there in Lexington. He was raised on George Washington, Robert E. Lee, Stonewall Jackson, and Christianity. He, <laughs> yeah. he attended high school at the McCallie School, a prestigious military academy in Chattanooga, Tennessee. Played football, boxed, wrestled, and won a French award. What? Yeah, I'm assuming he won for being the best kisser in all of Tennessee. <laughs> <laughs> I, don't, I don't see him much as a football player or a boxer. Yeah. Or a wrestler. I think everybody foot, did the football and the boxing back then, but just it's like one of those things where you're like, like me, I can say I wrestled. I sucked. I got killed all the time. Like my record was horrendous, but I can tell people, yeah, I wrestled in high school. And most kids nowadays will probably grow up and say, yeah, I played soccer. I oh, played yeah. baseball. You played like yeah, two sure. seasons. You know? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You, weren't, you weren't maybe a star. seasonal also right. for, yeah. for the time frame. According to classmates, Pat was fairly popular and bright, but not in any outstanding way. 
After high school, he returned to Lexington where he attended Washington and Lee University and ended up writing software for the Marriott reward system. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> uh, he actually graduated magna cum laude with a degree in history. He managed to pull this off despite being somewhat of a party animal. An anonymous college friend stated, quote, he liked to party. He drank as much as most college kids. He played poker. He was also a very kind of a funny person, adventurous, the one who always made the suggestions to do something. He lived a perfectly standard American college life, went out with girls, had all the usual problems and delights in his life. I mean, poker and drinking. Yeah. Yeah. Sounds like my kind of guy. Yeah. Going to school, you know. Sure. Um, football, box. He seems totally normal. Sounds point. like somebody we'd hang out with. Right. Yeah. I don't know if he's somebody we would hang out with because I guess coming from his background, mm-hmm. I'm assuming a little bit of a silver spoon going on. Well, his mm. dad was a senator. Right. Yeah. You right. know what I mean? Yeah. But I'm yeah. just saying, so we, just it, on paper, that sounds like somebody we would hang out with. Poker say, player, drinker. Right. If you say it out loud, sure. But I probably in the moment at Washington Lee, if you and I were to scrape by and get in somehow, yeah. this dude's like big dick, senator's boy. Like, yeah. yeah, we're not hanging out with that guy. He's probably not running with us. But no. no. Probably, probably by his choice because yeah. uh, we were like relatively poor i guess we weren't poor but we were certainly weren't senators dads or no. senators sons. by any no. stretch of the imagination yeah. but at the same time robertson was also reportedly under considerable pressure from his father to be a worldly success and from his mother to find god which <laughs> i think he did a little bit of both there yeah that's, a- exactly. end game jeez yeah exactly and i mean but imagine coming home on the weekends uh, from college to do laundry and your mom's like hey patty how's school Did you find god yet he was down the hall and to the left that's right right next to english <laughs> and grammar in 1948, faced with the military draft, Pat decides instead to volunteer for the Marine Corps, just in time for the Korean War. Uh, Robertson's account of his time in Korea goes like this. Uh-huh. We did long, grueling marches to toughen the men, plus refresher training in firearms and bayonet combat. I ended up at the headquarters command of the 1st Marine Division. The division was in combat in the hot and dusty, then bitterly cold portion of North Korea, just above the 38th parallel, later identified as the Punch Bowl and Heartbreak Ridge. For that service in the Korean War, the Marine Corps awarded me three battle stars for action against the enemy. So Pat Robertson considers himself a bit of a war hero, apparently. Trouble is, some of those that served with him didn't agree with that assessment. Yes, man. You hear this so often. Mm -hmm. It sucks to hear because, you know. Yeah, go ahead. These are the same guys that always scream about like stolen valor and stuff like that. Like you can't pretend to be this or whatever, but they're they're doing it, man. So, you know, again, based on what we're about to hear, whatever, we'll get back into his sporting history. Right. This included a guy named John Gearhart and a congressman, Pete McCloskey. They claimed that instead of Robertson seeing combat, he actually called his senator father to avoid combat and had him and his buddies reassigned to Japan, says Gearhart, quote, Pat was a brilliant man and probably had something to do with intelligence work, but I'm sure he was not in combat. We came back on the same ship. He was in division headquarters. He may have been within range of artillery fire, but was nowhere near the front lines. He further stated that in 1951, when Robertson called his father from Japan, that it was, quote, generally understood that we were pulled off because of the good fortune of Pat's influence. Congressman McCloskey not only said that Robertson had his father intervene to avoid frontline combat, but that his role in Japan was primarily as the liquor officer in charge <laughs> of keeping the officers club stocked with booze. You uh, know what? If you're going to be in the military at wartime, that may be one of the better jobs is stocking the liquor cabinet. There is no shame in that whatsoever. But to do that and then come back and say that you were fighting on Heartbreak Ridge. Yeah. That's where I draw. Exactly. That's where I have a yeah. problem. 
Yeah, like people that dodge the draft. And for Vietnam, I'm like, I don't fault you. But then when they go and get jobs in Washington where they are super duper war hawks, John Bolton, Donald Trump. I mean, you can name a million of them and you're just like, dude. I wonder if John Bolton and Michael Bolton are related. I I doubt it. Have I told? That's Rod Stewart. (laughs) (laughs) You lately that I love you. Yes. John Bolton wants to murder Iranians and uh, Michael Bolton murdered Motown. So, <laughs> a little bit of to, a correlation do I there. I want to cut out my Rod Stewart. No, that's then. That's, that's Robertson would attempt to sue Congressman McCloskey over these claims, but apparently, after acknowledging that at least some of it was true, he dropped his case as well as paid McCloskey's court costs. Man, so he got that's his ass much, handed. To I him. would say that's kind of an admission of guilt, right? Exactly. Of course, I'm it a is. fucking liar. Mm-hmm. My bad, dog. Daddy, Shut can up. we pay him off real quick? Uh huh. Here, where's so, my checkbook? So it kind of sounds like Robertson, you know, is a liar. Anyway, when Pat gets back from the front lines of Korea, I mean, from behind the bar at the Okinawa Officers Club, <laughs> he enrolls into law school at Yale. And it's at Yale that Pat meets and marries Dee Dee Elmer, a nurse in 1954, one year before he graduates. Man, so come right back from war and get into Yale? Yeah. Silver Spoon, right? I mean, yeah, oh, I mean, 100%. his dad's a senator. His dad was a senator for 20 years. Okay. All right. Well. You know what I mean? That makes so, more sense. Yeah, though. and everyone's like, "Well, you know, senators—they, you know, they make, you know, I think it's like three hundred thousand a year, but it doesn't matter. It's—it's it's all about influence more than anything. Oh, absolutely, of course. absolutely. Their pay doesn't come just in uh, monetary value; it's just power, dude. And hand jobs, a lot <laughs> from pages, uh, the congressional pages. <laughs> <laughs> it's just allegedly. Following his graduation, Pat and Dee Dee moved to a college overlooking New York Harbor, and Pat, according to his own words, aspires to be a New York swinger. Not in the, hey, Pat, let me jackhammer Dee Dee while you watch kind of way. <laughs> <laughs> I was about to say, like, what? Wow. Yeah, yeah what this kind guy of swinger is, uh, is this? Yeah. He swung I knew he got religion later in life, but yeah. Jesus. But more, it's more like being the stylish man about town kind of thing, I think. Although, who knows? Dude may have been a total freak. A lot of guys that move to New York have that dream anyway. Sure. Right. I'm going to be a fucking cool guy walking yeah. down Manhattan. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm going to be yeah. Gatsby. Yeah. Of course. Yeah. Yeah. Pat apparently loved the you booze. You wind up giving hand jobs for liquor under the bridge. <laughs> I feel like if your dad's a senator, you don't have to really Maybe fall Maybe not that this far. guy, but a lot, of, a lot of guys with that, that kind of... Yeah, that, that actually was the premise of, what was that movie? A Midnight Cowboy. Where he he was like, I'm going to New York. I'm going to make it. And then the next thing you know, he was having to prostitute himself in a bathroom. Told you. See? Like, <laughs> there you go. Never saw the movie. Already had the idea. It's real. Uh, Pat apparently loved the booze, particularly Cavassier. Ooh. As well as the famous nude paintings of Modigliani. Oh. Cav- liquor, brown liquor and naked pictures? Yeah. Swinging New Yorker. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Didi was like, man, this is going to be cool, I think. Right. In 1955, ink still wet on his fancy pants Yale law degree, Robertson takes the bar exam in New York and bombs it. I'm so shamed. I'm ashamed of myself. Yeah. Oh, man. I'm sure it was a big disgrace to daddy on that yeah, one. That's the his dad, Absalom, couldn't have been happy. To be honest, with a name like Absalom, I'm betting dude wasn't fucking chill at all. Like growing up. It was always scary when your mom would like threaten to tell your dad when you did something wrong. But imagine if the dude that is leaving work early to paddle your ass is named fucking Absalom. <laughs> they call me abs, bro. <laughs> Check out my abs and my salam. <laughs> <laughs> that spanking is going to be fucking biblical, man. 
A dude named Absalom is a type of dude who would go full on Old Testament Abraham and sacrifice his kid if a voice from the sky told him to do so. Oh, I'm, I I'm, bet. I, I'm predicting like a pretty thick beard, B paddle with holes in it. Yes. Like yeah. gnarly ass. Whooping. I'm predicting the scene where God tells him to kill Pat. <laughs> Absalom, this is the Lord your God. I command you to kill Pat for failing the New York bar exam. Absolutely, yeah, Absalom. Right. <laughs> Consider it done, Yahweh. Any, parti- <laughs> any particular way you want me to ice my boy? Hmm. Power bomb through a table. Uh, you should totally use that sick ass ninja sword you got from Hot Topic. <laughs> Hot Topic, nice. Yeah. I did pick that up from Hot Topic last week. Uh, so obviously, Absalom didn't kill Pat with the katana from Hot Topic. But yes, Pat failed the New York bar exam, an admittedly hard test, possibly the hardest bar exam in the country. There's plenty of famous people that have failed the New York bar exam. Yeah, plenty of them. I definitely would, so. JFK Jr. failed it multiple times, you know, and actually, I don't see, actually, did he pass Mr. Well, you know, Elaine's boyfriend in Seinfeld for a few episodes failed the bar three times, Mm -hmm. and he passed it on the fourth attempt. One of my favorite lines of all time in that show is, um, now that he passed the bar and was going to become a lawyer... She wanted to go out and celebrate, and he said, no, Elaine, I don't, I don't think so. You see, part of the dream of becoming a lawyer is breaking up with whoever you're dating at the time. <laughs> That's right. Finding someone better because you are now a lawyer. That's right. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, it's, <laughs> Elaine, then he breaks up with her right It's part then? of the dream of becoming mm-hmm. a lawyer. Yeah. Yes. I feel awesome. like he's not wrong. Right? You know I mean, mean, you string him along all through law school, and then you get, get him to pay for your yeah. stuff, and then- it was a doctor, not a lawyer. A doctor. It Same. Was a doctor. Same. Yeah. Well, Pat didn't get the dump Didi because he didn't pass the bar exam that time. But does Marion Pat Robertson give up? Does he fail the bar exam one time and just roll over and give up his lofty aspirations of being a fancy Cavalier sipping New York lawyer? Yes. <laughs> yes, he does. <laughs> Holla back. Once and done. That's it. He takes a job for an electronics component company for a while. I was a one hit quitter. Mm-hmm. You know. He- I didn't really want to do that whole law thing. I know I went to the Yale Law School for three years, and uh, it's pretty fucking expensive, Dad, but I really like electronic components. <laughs> you know that radio you got sitting over there while you're making those sandwiches for me and Mom? It's got electronic components in it. I can tell you all about it. He says that it's around this time that he feels empty and unsatisfied. He says he suffers from a spiritual emptiness, which I just want to point out is a totally reasonable fucking feeling after you fail at your dreams. You know, it happens sometimes, Pat. It happens to a lot of folks. Sometimes you set out to achieve something, and when it doesn't happen, you feel pretty bummed about it. I just don't think that's necessarily a spiritual emptiness so much as it's a rational realization that you're not a total badass. Right. Right. And honestly, having a younger son and you hear about kids talk about, when I grow up, I'm you know, mm-hmm. going to buy you. And now he's in the mode of, I'm going to buy you this, Dad. I'm going to buy you and Mom you know, any car you want. This And I yep. remember thinking the same thing. Sure. So as a, you know, as a young adult coming up, you think, I'm going to be part of the 1%. Mm-hmm. And sure. then life Everybody grabs you by the fucking neck yeah. and the balls and tells you, back off, motherfucker. Yeah. You're part of the 99%. It's like, do the math, dude. Stay in your fucking lane, bro. <laughs> I'm no senator, goddammit. Yeah. Pick 100 people. You're not going to be the one that gets selected, <laughs> dumbass. Back of the line, jackass. <laughs> and then, yeah, then you come to the realization that's kind of how life that's works. That's how life works. Yeah. At the same time as his spiritual emptiness, his mother introduces him to a very wealthy Dutch man who is also very religious. Pat, I want to tell you about the Zifaja, the Dishan, and the Holy Spirit, ya. Yeah? <laughs> his name was Fat Bastard. Yeah, yeah. It's, this meeting with Goldmember has a profound impact on Pat. 
He goes home and empties all of his whiskey bottles into the kitchen sink. He throws out his Modigliani, which I'm quite... That sounds like a dick toy. Yeah. <laughs> Modigliani? Yeah. It's like a cock ring or That's something. It. It's That's my Modigliani. You know, he has a Modigliani. I mean, yeah. I his heard. wife was like, no, don't throw that out. At least well, just put it off to the side, Pat. Well, I was going to say, I'm pretty sure he had a fucking print, not an original, because it, it would be hilarious if he did actually oh, throw out an is original. It, is it a painting? Yes. I know. Remember I the, the, the the nudes? Ah, oh, okay. Nude painting. Right, right. Oh, he was doing something with this. Yeah. Right, they, they had a name, yeah. I guess. Yeah. That's the guy who... The guy who painted. All right, good. Yeah. Okay. So, if he had thrown out an original Modigliani, it would be hilarious, because an original uh, Modigliani nude just sold in 2015 at a Christie's auction for $170 million. Whoa! <laughs> Jesus. Yeah, but this and, was just a print, right? This uh, I don't know, but yeah, I had to be, but I sort of hope that it wasn't. I hope it was Because his original. net worth, according to the internet, which is obviously questionable, but it says he's worth about $100 million. <laughs> so, yeah, all yeah. that work, Pat. <laughs> I could have just sold the goddamn painting. Yeah, I should have just stoked Cavassier and Modigliani nudes. He could have been one of those guys on the uh, road show. Uh, Antiques Roadshow. Antiques Roadshow. Yeah. Like, that show's if actually he didn't make it as a, I love it. It's I pretty love fun. Antiques oh, I love Roadshow. that show. Yeah. But mm-hmm. if he didn't make it as a pastor, he could have like maybe at around this age, you know, gone there with that painting and oh, been like, brother, it's worth $170 million. Shit, if you own one of those paintings, you don't even have to ask what it's appraised at. That motherfucker, people are, you gotta put that shit in a vault. My yeah, favorite right? part of the Antique Roadshow is when their stuff's not worth shit. That's my favorite thing. <laughs> and they're like, yes, we believe this could mm-hmm. be an 1850... Yeah. Yada yada, sumal yay, blah blah blah. Yeah, yeah. And the guy's like, "Well, if you look at the corners and you look at the art and the stroke design, this is made in China." Yeah, this is uh, probably worth about seven dollars and ninety-five cents. If you see here on the back, it's got the date nineteen ninety-six. Did you buy this at Big Lots? Yeah. <laughs> well, it was passed down from my grandmother. Well, your grandma's full of shit. I'm sorry. They it's always say like, well, it's a lovely heirloom. <laughs> yeah. That's it. You know? And the person's like, but sometimes people and won't, then, and then the won't little stop. Ch- and then the little chime. Yeah, yeah, $7.95. Fuck! Yeah. It's the high-end Pawn Stars. It is. It is. Yeah. yeah, Pawn Stars is the one where they'll be like, that's just a piece of shit. Yeah, or even, yeah. some, even sometimes when they they find something and they have a whole big story behind what it is, you're like, mm-hmm. oh man, this thing, could, it's worth $395. Yeah. You're like, Man, yeah, it's like that. 200 years old. It's like, you know, like a yeah. jewelry box. You know, like, this was George Washington's butt plug. Right. I cannot believe it's it's ivory. Yes. Look at the look it's at not the even wood. His teeth right. were wooden and his butt plug was ivory. Look at look at the craftsmanship <laughs> on this Washington butt plug. It's a one of a kind. He had it in when he crossed the Delaware. So it's you know, <laughs> that picture of him in the famous painting of cross. That's the why Delaware. he's standing up That's on the end of the exactly. boat so he can get he's the, the butt in. plug he all the way in a better position. He's holding this ivory butt plug in. <laughs> all right, carry on. Hey guys, real quick, if you're liking the show, do us a favor and give us that sweet, sweet five star rating on Apple Podcasts or whatever platform you're catching us on. It makes a huge difference. Now back to asshole court. All right, so he throws out all his whiskey, throws out his Modigliani print, or hopefully an original. His wife thinks he's lost his mind, but Pat swears he's forever changed. He's had his road to Damascus moment. Nothing will be the same afterwards. I'm throwing out the liquor, and I'm throwing out my dick ring. That's it. It's time to turn to the new page. That's it. And when his wife, Dee Dee, is seven months pregnant with their second child, Robertson leaves home to attend a religious camp in Canada for several weeks. Dee Dee practically begs him to come home and, you know, Help her when the kid is about to pop out. But Pat is all, you know, I would love to come help you when you're super pregnant with our kid and all. But God told me to stay at camp. His wife is like, what? God told you to stay? Uh Uh-huh. 
just before you called, actually, said to ignore you because the Bible camp is like super important and stuff. And, you know, I love you and all, but it's God. So, you know, got to listen to him, Deeds. Don't want him to smite me and all. But what if the baby comes, Pat? Well, you just water yourself into the Studebaker and drive yourself to the hospital, honey. And I'm sure to pray extra hard. You should be fine. Pat stays at camp, which shouldn't be shocking considering what he said about the marital balance. Quote, I know this is painful for the ladies to hear, but if you get married, you have accepted the hardship of a man, your husband. Christ is the head of the household, and the husband is the head of the wife, and that's the way it is. Period. Jesus, man. Bossolini. <laughs> yeah. So Diddy can't say much when Pat decides to go to the New York Theological Seminary. He graduates in 1959 and joins the New American Charismatic Movement. So, uh, borderline Pentecostal, right? Exactly. I'm actually about to break this down because I All found right. this part to be really interesting. Okay. Here's an interesting breakdown for our listeners on the difference between the major subgroups of conservative Christians. Conservative Christians are often lumped together as fundamentalists or evangelicals, but there are actually four subgroups among those who believe in the notion of a born-again experience in Jesus Christ. Evangelicals are typically interdenominational and belong to mainstream faiths. Billy Graham was among them. Fundamentalists, such as Jerry Falwell, were more doctrinaire and separatists. Charismatics are also interdenominational and, like Pentecostals, believe in speaking in tongues, in receiving direct prophecies, and in faith healing. Charismatics, however, tend to be less doctrinaire than Pentecostals. Robertson is an evangelical and a charismatic. So there is a difference between these guys. So uh, he's one of the guys that throws power at people and they faint on stage. Yeah, basically. Yeah. Anytime they're speaking okay. in tongues uh, like that, that's, you know, I hate that shit. Yeah. yeah. I lived that shit for a little while. That's when I was insane. A kid. Yeah. I remember, honestly, I, I swear this is true. Like I remember you would have to pray and speak in tongues. And I just remember like trying to have the coolest version of it, you know, like and what's funny is, you know, my parents were big in the church and my grandparents were too. And then, of course, we realized it was a giant scam at some point and our, our entire family left. And I always, me and my sister always give my parents like the hardest time about this. Like, <laughs> we were like, what the fuck were you guys thinking while we were there? And my dad was like, yeah, I don't know, man. It's it's pretty bad. It's like that crash test dummy song from back in the 90s. Yeah. Once there was this girl who... And it's insanity. And if you're inside of it as a kid, you don't really know. But then, like, looking back on it, you're just like, that's absolute chaos. Just, why well, don't we understand what you're thinking, you know? But they're like, you pray in tongues. There would be healings. They would, like, try to, like, push people's heads down. You know, I remember being healed or whatever. It sounds so choreographed. It is. And it's... uh. It's like a big giant hypnosis session, basically, where they get the crowd riled up. It's like a know. WWE event. Yeah, it really was. I swear. <laughs> it's it's so crazy. You know, brother, yeah. I'm gonna get healed today. It's gonna be great. Okay. Jesus will overcome me. Yeah, that's they would get you so hyped up. You'd go down there and you get, you know, healed. They would be like casting demons out. And this is Southern California in the uh, 80s and early 90s, you know what I'm saying? So it's it isn't like rural Kentucky where they're handling snakes. I mean the shit's there. But anyways, a few weeks after Pat graduates from seminary, Dee Dee goes to visit her family in Ohio. While Dee Dee is away, Pat says that he began hearing a voice. Oh, Lord. The voice uh. was saying, if you build it, he will come. come, come, come. <laughs> so Pat mowed down his corn crop. And I'm just kidding. The, the <laughs> and then we have the basis for Field of Dreams. <laughs> right. The voice actually was saying, Luke 12, 33. 
over and over and over again, apparently. So after hearing this for a while, Pat decides to go look up the Bible verse. You figure the minute you hear something like that, you're immediately, that's obviously a Bible verse. Even if you don't go to church, you're like, that's a Bible verse. He takes a while, he goes, checks it out. He looks it up in the Bible. The verse starts, sell your possessions and give to the poor. And Pat's like, that's the ticket. So he sells all of his stuff and moves into a brownstone in the then very rough neighborhood in Brooklyn of Bedford-Stuyvesant. Bedford-Stuyvesant, that's where like Biggie's from. That's exactly yeah. right. Yeah. All right. His wife, who I should remind you, is still out of town visiting her family, <laughs> has no idea about any of this. She only finds out about it when she tries to call home and reaches an operator that notified her that the phone had been disconnected. That is like something out of a sitcom, man. It is. That's, it does. It sounds like some sort of sitcom where, yeah, the wife's out of town, he has a vision, packs all their shit, sells all their shit, moves into some fucking rough-ass neighborhood, and then she comes home and hilarity ensues. That's but right. I doubt that's how the story goes. No, I mean that was Didi's all Hilari- about hilarity. Probably didn't. Oh sue. yeah, I'm sure. Yeah, it no, wasn't hilarity hilarious. didn't sue. But she came home to what, like somebody else living in the house, and then had to like track him down or some shit. Well, once she, yeah, I mean, basically that's how it worked out. Which is what's weird to me. But then again, you're realizing like, this is like the 50s, so it isn't like oh, I'll just text him. I'll just send him a text right, message, right. you know, or an email. You, but know you know figure I mean? he could at least send a fucking candy gram, like, or at least hey, like, bitch, I sold all my shit, and now we're living in Bed Stuy. Yeah, yeah, yeah sitting in the Western Union. You, you know, know what I mean? You're talking about speaking in tongues. All I could think of is, man, I would fucking record this shit on my phone. Like, this is some whack shit. Yeah, you know, I, but. There were no cell phones. It would be funny if you sent a telegram that was in tongues. (laughs) (laughs) And she's like, like, he's he's amped. He's ready for my return. He's in Bed-Stuy. Yeah. But I mean, they had telephones at least at this point. He couldn't call her and just be like, hey, you know. That's uh, how she figured it out. She called and they were like, your phone's disconnected. So there you go. This is a stand up guy right Mm -hmm. from the start. Yeah. Jesus Christ. Yeah. Or that's who he found. Yeah. Apparently. Yeah. Like I said, Dee Dee's all follow the Lord, follow the husband. So she doesn't give Pat shit about selling all their stuff and moving to a dangerous neighborhood on a whim. Pat and Dee Dee stay in Bed-Stuy for a little bit, but then, as the story goes, Pat and Dee Dee up and leave for Virginia Beach with only $70 in a 5x7 U-Haul truck. They're going to buy a vacant UHF television station there. Now, is it just UHF me? UHF always makes me think of Weird Al Yankovic. Of course, yeah. <laughs> the fire hose. <laughs> yeah. They're going to buy a fucking TV station with $70. That's what I'm saying. Is it like he's the son of a sitting U.S. senator. He's going to buy a television station, but he's only got $70 to his name. That motherfucker had thousands in the bank and might have pulled 70 out for cash. Yeah, well, like no. I mean, like expenses. And that's the story. Exactly. $70 in my pocket. Motherfucker, you had thousands in the yeah. bank. Let's get the shit straight. It's a story. Or even if he had 70 bucks on him, he always knew that all he had to do was pick up the phone and call daddy. You well, know what I mean? Well, that's the whole plan insurance. to buy a goddamn TV station. You know that's going to cost a lot of money. Yeah, exactly. I mean, unless it's WKRP in Cincinnati. Even uh, that, was that, radio? Radio. <laughs> that was radio. That was radio. Damn. It's all right, though. It's a good yeah, show. Yeah, that was yeah, a funny was show. Good. Yeah. But I'm going to have to call a big bullshit on that one, dude. There's just no way that's true. I mean, it's a, it's a lovely story that they like to tell everybody, like, we had nothing, but we just had so much faith in God. But again... They were buying a, a TV station. I mean, even if it was a shitty TV station, you don't buy it with 70 bucks, even if it is the 50s. Right. It's like, well, immig- he was also on the front lines of Korea. You know what I mean? Exactly. And yeah. so. It's like an immigrant coming to Ellis Island. Like, oh, I had nothing but $3 and a yeah. mansion in the Hamptons. Yeah. I, yeah. He said, I, he said I, when I started this company, I only had two things, a dream and $10 million my dad gave me. <laughs> Either way, (laughs) the reason he's going to buy this UHF station is because God whispered to Pat again. And he said, how is this guy getting all the messages? Yeah. Well, this is what God told him. All right. Congress is going to pass a bill requiring. All right. Sorry. 
specific Congress passing yeah, yeah. messages from Jesus. Yeah. Oh, it, he I, does this I don't mean to cut life. you. I don't mean he to does cut this his you whole life. But. Uh, he says, uh, God told him Congress is going to pass a bill requiring all television sets to be equipped with UHF. So what Pat is trying to tell us is it wasn't his dad, a sitting U.S. senator, that told him about a hyper-specific bill coming through on Capitol Hill. <laughs> it was God. Mm-hmm. This gotcha. is making more and more sense. Yeah. Of course. All and right. The, and addition, now I understand him. Yeah. All there right. you go. In addition to letting Pat in on a congressional bill, which would prove financially beneficial, God also helped him negotiate a really sweet price on that UHF station. I don't know how that worked. You yeah. Know? It's like when you bring your real estate agent and said he's like, God's here. And he just pulls a bl- like a, an empty chair. Like when Clint Eastwood <laughs> was in the Republican National Convention and pulled the chair up, was talking to Obama, just an empty chair. And everybody was like, oh, shit. Oh, man, that was crazy. Oh, man. But okay, so whatever the circumstances, Pat would use that single UHF station to build what at one point was the nation's fifth largest cable network, CBN, the Christian Broadcasting Network. Pat builds his network and his profile nationally, mainly through the wildly popular 700 Club Show. In the 70s, he does faith healing. Robertson would claim that just by hearing of a listener's problem, he could heal them long distance through the power of prayer. He did so frequently and would announce a cure on the broadcast after clenching his eyes shut and praying for one passionately. I just don't understand how this continues after more than, I guess, 10, 15 people are like, huh, I still have cancer. Fuck, I'm going to die next week anyway. This guy didn't heal me. But all of a sudden he's broadcasting acts of Jesus on TV Mm -hmm. that he's the ultimate healer. The whole faith healing shit just completely fucking blows my mind. Yeah. It it looks like a fucking show put on. Oh, yeah. Um, That's all it is. Yeah. I, I, but I mean, everybody has to be all in on it. You yeah. know what I mean? They have to pull the guy aside and be like, hey, when this dude throws the power, like fucking, oh shit, out yeah. of Street Fighter is what it looks like. You know what I mean? Ryu, what was his name? Yeah, Ryu. Yeah. Ken and Ryu. Yeah, Ken that was Ryu. him. Threw the fucking, oh shit. Yeah. Well, and, this one is even easier because you didn't even have to have a person there. You just did it over the television. <laughs> so, uh, sounds like fucking Mrs. Cleo. Yeah, basically. I mean, that's what it is. So, uh, let's uh, take a look at what that may sound like. Today, we received the most beautiful tithing check and prayer request from Todd Wilkerson of Utica, New York, who says he is overcome with a deformity and needs our healing prayers. Viewers, pray with me, please. He writes that his penis is too small and his balls too big. And the size difference, you know, it makes his penis seem even smaller than it already is. Yes, Lord, it does. You know it does. You've seen it. From up above in your heavenly perch, the little micro-penis in Utica, all alone and shamed, lost in a triangle of untrimmed pubes, unable to satisfy. And Mr. Wilkerson needs your blessings today, Lord. He needs your healing hand. We want to pray to you right now, Heavenly Father, to reach down into Utica and bless Todd with another three, no, another four inches of length and girth. Lord. We know that only you can deliver the length and the girth that this man requires to satisfy his wife, to give him the self-esteem, to shower at the gym with confidence. We ask it of you today, Lord. We also ask of you in your infinite mercy to bring Mr. Wilkinson's scrotum testicles down to a more reasonable proportional ratio, like a one-to-one, or at least a two-to-one penis-to-sack volume ratio here. 
we praise your name and the almighty power of you and your son, Jesus Christ. In your most powerful name we pray. Amen. Amen. That is an actual segment. I'm just kidding. That didn't happen at all, but stuff kind of like it did. And nobody should be surprised that Robertson would claim that this was a reasonable approach to medicine. After all, God had helped Robertson find his true calling, score a TV station, and tipped him off to a financially lucrative congressional bill, right? Robertson feels like he has a direct line to God, and he starts telling people what God is telling him about the future. In 1980, Robertson declares that God has told him that the Soviet Union would invade several Middle Eastern nations and seize their oil, throwing the U.S. and Western Europe into economic chaos. Which sounds crazy, but what's funny is if you look at the timeline of when the Soviets actually invaded Afghanistan, right. it was Christmas of 1979. Yeah, okay. so he was like, that's going to happen a lot more. It's a, <laughs> God's told me. Right. He's just taking a fucking random guess, man. Now, is his dad still a senator at this point? Or? Uh, no, this is later. I think his dad was a senator from, I think, like 1950 to 1970. So. Okay, okay. He's out on that, man. By this point, he's... He's out on loaded. his own at this point. He's loaded, dude. Yeah, of course. So that same year in May, Robertson goes on to tell the millions of 700 Club viewers that he knew when the world was going to end, saying, I guarantee you by the end of 1982, there is going to be a judgment on the world. When the Soviets don't invade Middle Eastern countries in 1980, Robertson says that God told him that there would be a major worldwide depression and rapid inflation in 1981. That doesn't happen. And the world obviously didn't end in 1982, but that doesn't seem to affect his audience size for some reason. I mean, swing and a miss. And you hear this all the time from these doomsday guys mm -hmm. that are like, oh, they make this proclamation. It doesn't mm -hmm. happen. They're like, well, it kind of happened because this that, or the other happened. And then now I'm not totally Or they wrong. just sweep yeah. it under the rug. Yeah. But I wonder how much money he collected prior to that. Like, unleash all your earthly possessions oh, yeah. as the judgment's about to be on, you know. Yeah. Uh, this, the, there's no shame. That's what the difference is. Like we're normal people. If we went on television and felt that like God talked to us, first of all, I feel like we would seek therapy. But if we didn't, <laughs> we would be like, "This is gonna happen." And when it didn't, we would just never show our face again. Ever. Of course, not yeah. this guy though. It's just shameless, man. In 1985, as Hurricane Gloria was on a course to impact Virginia Beach, the headquarters of CBN, Pat said that he prayed for God to steer the storm away, and God did so. Unfortunately for the other people in the hurricane's path, though, uh, because it caused over $900 million in damage and killed eight people. Mm. So win for CBN, but a real loss for those eight families. Right. What a fucking fucktard. Mm -hmm. Around 1986, Robertson begins to take a more serious interest in the U.S. government and its inherent Christianness. He is quoted in the New York Times as saying, It is interesting that termites don't build things, and the great builders of our nation almost to a man have been Christians. Because Christians have the desire to build something. He is motivated by love of man and God, so he builds. The people who have come into our institutions today are primarily termites. They are destroying institutions that have been built by Christians, whether it is universities, governments, or our own traditions that we have. The termites are now in charge, and that is not the way it ought to be. And the time has arrived for a godly fumigation. Now, who the hell is he talking about? Anybody that's not Christian, pretty much. Huh. All right. So, apparently, Pat thought he should run for president in 1988 on the Fumigate Non-Christians platform. That's a pretty solid platform there. I mean, it wasn't explicitly his platform, but he did make a big point of wanting only Christians in his cabinet. Quote, When I said during my presidential bid that I would only bring Christians and Jews into the government, I hit a firestorm. 
What do you mean? The media challenged me. You're not going to bring atheists into the government? How dare you maintain that those who believe in Christian values are better qualified to govern America than Hindus and Muslims? My simple answer is, yes, they are. Man, shots fired. You know yeah. what I mean? At that point, that's a direct call out of pretty much all other religions and mm-hmm. sects. That's right. Yeah. And as we all know now, Robertson did not become president in 1988 and rain fury upon non-believers. Thankfully, no, he definitely did not. He yeah. was going up against George W. H. W. Yeah. But he won four states. Wouldn't he, be prudent. If he ran Jesus Christ. Me. Pat, yeah. Don't be prudent. God, Don't. Could you imagine if he had been president? Pat Robertson running against me. Not going to win. <laughs> it ain't gonna happen. I'm gonna win the majority and I'm gonna win the presidency. I'm gonna win it. Me and Barb gone to the White House. Here's the states that he won. He won Washington, Nevada, Alaska, and Hawaii, which like nowadays those are marijuana legalizing states, <laughs> yeah. which is like so you that tells you how far a shift there's been in those states in like thirty years, you know? It's after the presidential loss where, in my opinion, Things go from televangelist weird to something else altogether. Right. In 1990, Pat tells CBN viewers that God has told him that the Soviet Union is going to invade Israel. In 1991, Robertson attacks Protestant denominations on the 700 Club, saying, You say you're supposed to be nice to the Episcopalians and the Presbyterians and the Methodists and this and that and the other thing. Nonsense. I don't have to be nice to the spirit of the Antichrist. 1992, Robertson explains his thoughts about feminists. The feminist agenda is not about equal rights for women. It is about socialist, anti-family political movement that encourages women to leave their husbands, kill their children, practice witchcraft, and destroy capitalism and become lesbians. What the fuck, <laughs> Yeah, man. it sounds like a party. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, this guy Except just the kill the children this guy part. fucking totally took his number of fucks and gave them away. Mm-hmm. He has none at this point. Well, it worked really just well for rattling him. off. Well, that, of course, because it appeals to his hardcore like uh, conservative base. Yeah, 100 yeah. yeah. percent. That's the scary thing is that this dude was rolling in the dough by saying this stuff like they were like, I believe that, too. And I want to put money up there. And they're always they always play like. You know, the victim there, it's like this sort of martyr complex where they're like, oh, yeah. they're always coming after us, the Christians. And you're like, no, you're just saying just shit that's like kind of being, you're being a dick, dude. Just borderline hate speech. Yeah, it yeah. really is. Yeah. 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 yeah, sure. God is told, telling you to love thy neighbor and, you know, not judge anybody. Mm-hmm. Only I can judge. Mm-hmm. But God, so many Christians are filled with hate yeah. against lesbians, homosexuals. Mm-hmm. Like any, you name any kind of, there's always some kind of like little hate group. That they fucking love and they love to hate yeah. on them. Yeah, Jesus uh, was supposed to be a pretty chill dude, but uh, this guy is not. Do you think he would let the the young peasant children braid his hair? I know we talked about this in another episode about That's braiding true. hair. That's true. He had the long hair. He was. He definitely was. Oh, you talking about Jesus, not yeah. Pat Robertson. Yeah, Jesus. Yeah, I could see Jesus uh, like going to the Bahamas on vacation on a cruise and getting off and getting his hair braided. <laughs> you know, one <laughs> of the, the braids. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, he as got, he's like, getting older, white yeah. beads. As he's getting older, is it like no, the cookies just, and cream? Bread? No, no, I'm just. He never ma- made it. I'm just imagine like 27 year old Jesus, like hanging out on some rocks with people around because yeah. people flock to him. Yeah, yeah. And he's just chilling and having a good time, and some kids braiding his hair. Oh, 100. Yeah. Jesus the, would let that. happen. The Sermon on the Mount. He probably had like yeah, some Corn Jamaican rose. chick. <laughs> They're like we have fish and bread, and also we have pulled pork, <laughs> <laughs> jerk chicken. Hey guys, if you enjoy what you're hearing, 
please do us a favor and share or repost our show on your favorite platform. We love and appreciate the support. Now, back to the action. So, all right, in 1994, we get to the very worst of Pat Robertson. The story, yes. Yeah. The story is somewhat complicated and long, so I'm going to break it down into the simplest version possible for time's sake. That year, there was a very real genocide that occurred in Rwanda, with anywhere from half a million to a million Tutsis being murdered. The violence forces over one million Rwandans to flee to then Zaire, which is now like the Democratic Republic of Congo. Many of these refugees were corralled into refugee camps that were ill-equipped to handle them. Seeing this, Robertson goes on air on CBN and requests for his viewers to pledge at least $25 a month to his nonprofit organization, Operation Blessing International. Nonprofit, huh? Mm-hmm. He says that he's going to charter a plane with 100 doctors, that he's going to ship enough medicine to take care of a quarter of a million refugees. But what actually happened was reportedly very different. According to a number of journalists, filmmakers, and even members of Operation Blessing International themselves, the Operation Blessing Aid allegedly consisted of one tent, a massive number of Bibles, and mostly aspirin. Wow. Son of a bitch. Yeah. At the same time, oh, it gets worse. At the same time, Robertson goes on the 700 Club to say that he was using donated money to purchase a fleet of Vietnam-era cargo planes to further aid logistics needed for the effort. It's at this point that Robert Hinkle, who had been hired as the chief pilot for the operation, is asked, can we haul a thousand pound dredge over there? Hinkle thought the request was odd. What would you need a dredge to get aid to a refugee camp for, right? The reality, according to Jesse Potts, who served as operation manager for OBI in 1994, was that the charity stopped sending medical teams to Goma several weeks into the operation. Instead, these resources, the donations, the cargo planes, all of that, were allegedly used for the for-profit African Development Company Limited, a diamond mining corporation that was headquartered in Kinshasa. And who was the sole shareholder and president of African Development Company? Why, Pat, Pat Robertson, Robertson. that son of wow. a bitch. Yeah. Blood diamonds. Yeah. Worse still, it was reported that Robertson's ADC had its mining license granted to it by Mobutu Sese Seko, who himself had been sanctioned by the United Nations over alleged human rights abuses. Oh, and, he's making his second appearance that's here right. on Asshole Court. Yeah, yeah for uh, Rumble in the Jungle with Don King, and uh, now he's here with Pat Robertson. And Robertson apparently lobbied politicians back in the U.S. to have sanctions removed from Mobutu. Worse still, a video from 1994 showed Robertson palling around Africa with Colonel Tioneste Bagasora, who then ushers him into a helicopter. Bagasora was an instrumental figure in the 1994 Rwandan genocide and was later sentenced to life imprisonment by the International Tribunal Court of Rwanda. So if that is all true, and it looks pretty believable considering the sources, then that's some of the worst shit humanity has to offer. Man, I'm just wondering how the hell he got on their side. Right, like because he went there. Those guys were in the uh, they they were in the power structure, and so that's how you get like leases for diamond mines and stuff like that to get paperwork through. You have to sort of buddy up with these guys, but he knows grease the wheels a little bit. Exactly. Okay. Yeah. Anytime that you, you're dealing with like an inherently corrupt nation, it's basically just quid pro quo all day. You're just giving money for something in return. But he's supposed to be there to help all these people. And under the auspices of him helping all these people, and he's using the money from people that believe in this cause or whatever. On the base. name of the Lord. Yeah. He's mining fucking diamonds. He sold all of them out. Yes. He sold all of them Everybody. out for profit. Yeah. And it was, uh, you know, hobnobbing with people that were instrumental in the murder 
of potentially a million fucking Rwandans, man. That's fucking ridiculous. Try to think about that. Try to wrap your head. What would, would happen in the United States if a million people were killed by the government? Think about that. It'd be insane. I mean, um, yeah. And that's, and that, like, we won't get into this right now, but if you ever want to dig into the Rwandan genocide, a lot of the hate speech that built up to this, like, basically flashpoint was caused by Christian missionaries and their radio stations in Rwanda. Hmm. So it's just bad all around. All right, on to lighter fare. In 1995, Robertson is hawking a, quote, age-defined protein diet shake on his 700 Club program. All right, so he's got a fucking protein shake yeah. in addition to the 700 Club? That's right. Didn't Steven Seagal have a protein shake? He had an energy drink. Energy, energy uh, that's Nutraceutical yeah, yeah. flaming beverage or whatever he called it. So there it. we go, Steven Seagal and Pat Robertson. Yeah. A little bit of correlation exactly. there. Exactly. He teamed with GNC, telling them that he has built an audience, which was true. But... Like you just pointed out, what the fuck is up with shysters and like selling dietary supplements? Oh, man. That's it's, a real thing. Uh, oh, it absolutely is. You know, I mean, people are trying to find the Lord and also try to lose weight at the yeah. same time. I'm know? sure all those people that are on Facebook are tired of their like former friends from high school hitting them up for MLM schemes and shit like that. They're like, Trust. got my pink drink. That's it. Oh. Dietary <laughs> supplement. Got my pink drink. I don't know why that is. It's like, oh, I want to be you tired in the morning. Do you tire out about 3 p.m.? Yeah. You, or you feel like you're dragging all day? Try coffee. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> it's crazy. It's like it's like the easiest thing to do. They're like people that are uh, scam artists tend to love farm or not pharmaceutical stuff, but whatever. And you know what? I love a fucking cup of coffee at about three o'clock in the afternoon. It does yes, help sure. you. I do. It definitely yeah. helps carry you through the day because you have to deal with all the bullshit that goes through in everyday life. That's right. Uh, anyways, Robertson uses a series of images sent to him by viewer Philip Bush showing his massive weight loss for marketing. Bush isn't happy about the use of his image for marketing, so he sues. Which he is, didn't like the picture of his Bush? It would be like if you you know, sent something into Miller Lite and were like, man, I love Miller Lite or whatever, and uh, I drank it and I magically got more handsome. And then they just put it all over billboards and they okay. don't pay you for it. So ah, he's okay. not happy about it. I got it. it. Okay. But like it is sort of hilarious considering you know uh, how happy Bush must have been when he initially sent the the pictures into Pat like check it out Pat look at all the weight I lost from drinking nothing but your shitty shake. <laughs> Bush also files a report with the Norfolk Police after Robertson told him I'm going to kill you and your family. Wow, oh, wow, yeah. not very Christian Over a of fucking them. shake. Yeah, Jesus. Oh, man. it's about the money. It's about the shake. <laughs> Shake weight. <laughs> I'd like to see Pat Robertson on a shake weight commercial. Oh, well, he uh. works out hard. We're about to hear about that, too. <laughs> of course, this is an allegation, but it does fall in line with another instance in 1995. After the failure of an earlier Robertson commercial venture, a multi-level sales outlet for Bible study courses and discount coupon books. Again, just the soup du jour for scam artists. Talk about a target niche audience. Yeah, that was right up his alley, man. Right up his alley. Yeah. Yeah. Old people love Bible stuff and coupons. And coupons. coupons. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So the broadcaster fired Mark Peterson, the venture's top executive. The two blamed each other for the business failures and what had become a public feud. Peterson sued Robertson in 1995, alleging that Robertson made a veiled death threat in a telephone conversation with Peterson's sister. It'd be funny to kind of hear. I dumb telev- dying to hear. You know oh what I mean? man, that would be amazing. <laughs> a televangelist giving a death threat call. Yeah, <laughs> that would be funny. 
the rapture's coming <laughs> for you. <laughs> what? Oh, you better put your shoes on those white Nikes. Who was that? That did the? Oh, that was the um the Heaven's Gate. Heaven's Gate guys. Yeah, they were black Nikes. They were black Nike. Yeah, I black, thought they were white Nikes. They were black Nikes. The old uh, the Forrest Gump Nikes with the white checks, and then they cut their balls off. That's right. They all yeah. castrated themselves. You lose your balls, but you gain a set of Nikes. The Forrest Gump Nikes were white. Weren't they? Yeah, but I'm saying that style. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It wasn't uh, gotcha, the exact gotcha. type. Yeah, they were white with red. Ah, uh, gotcha. According to Wikipedia, to commit suicide, members took phenobarbital mixed with applesauce or pudding and washed it down with vodka. Ugh. Additionally, Applesauce? Oh, that is quite a concoction right there. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Some sort of barbiturate with applesauce and pudding washed it down with vodka. Additionally, they secured plastic bags around their heads after ingesting the mix to induce asphyxiation. All 39 were dressed in identical black shirts and sweatpants, brand new black and white Nike Decades athletic shoes, mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. armband patches reading Heaven's Gate Away Team. One of them. They're like, for uh, Jock Jam, or they they had the home team, brick <laughs> layers in the away. <laughs> So that oh, way, when boy. they when they ascend, they at least have you know like the, yeah. the armband right that, there. That way, like, they can be identified. You know by who Zinu. I am. Yeah, homeboys, <laughs> homeboys, and away boys. Nineteen ninety nine, Robertson partners with the Bank of Scotland to establish banks in the U.S. that conduct all business by phone. Problem is, Robertson wasn't too fond of the Church of Scotland and the Scottish Episcopal Church, saying that they had ordained gays and calling Scotland a dark land overrun by gays. Oh, wow. Bank of Scotland drops him following yeah. the public comments. No yeah, doubt. it seems right. Rightfully so. That's right. In 2003, uh, on the 700 Club, Robertson spends a lot of time supporting then-president of Liberia, Charles Taylor. He accuses the U.S. State Department of giving President Bush poor advice on the U.S. support of removing Taylor, saying that they are trying as hard as they can to destabilize Liberia. What Robertson failed to mention to his devoted listeners was that he had an $8 million investment in a Liberian gold mine, a country, at least at the time, in which it's difficult to get things done without, like I said, greasing some palms. Additionally, Taylor was ultimately indicted by the U.N. for war crimes and was uh, found guilty of crimes against humanity, including murder, rape, slavery, often in diamond and gold mines, and the use of child soldiers. Whoa, man. Man, this is quite the circle that Mr. Uh, Robertson's hobnobbing with. Exactly. That's exactly what I was just You know thinking. what I mean? Yeah. Like, yeah. But Charles Taylor's, you know, he's a pretty stand-up Christian guy, right? Yeah, uh, all these Christians sounds are like stand-up right? yeah. individuals. Yeah. 2003, this one's funny. Pat Robertson goes on air on the 700 Club and claims that at 73 and with prostate cancer, he once leg-pressed 2,000 pounds. What? 2,000 pounds? He also listed under his accomplishments on the CBN website. But according to a contemporary ESPN article... Quote, sports experts questioned the assertion in recent weeks, with one noting that the leg press record for football players at Florida State University is 665 pounds less. <laughs> yeah. That's what I'm saying. Well, the like, Lord has given them the strength in order to do this, and right? Have you ever seen the fucking defensive and offensive lineman for Florida right. State? God almighty. Pretty they, sure they're not 73 with prostate cancer. Either. Right, right. But what if you saw Pat Robertson go up there and fucking leg squat 2,000 pounds? <laughs> <laughs> what the fuck, man? I told you, Lord. He's just working through my body. <laughs> I hear he said, the Lord. He tells me what to do, and I do it. You should see how hard I fuck Dee on the weekends. Even now, it's 73. That's it. Man, in 2006, uh, Robertson says that God spoke to him again about the future. Uh, he said, if I heard the Lord right about 2006, the coast of America will be lashed by storms. He later added, 
There well may be something as bad as a tsunami in the Pacific Northwest. Was he losing his hearing? If I heard him right, yeah. I believe he said the storms were coming. Yeah. Well, but if it was, I didn't hear him right, that's my out. He's, exactly. Well, he's giving himself an out. Yeah. Like, I think I, maybe I heard it. I don't know. Yeah. And that's also, it, it was like, I hear that it's going to hit the East Coast. And then like most of the year goes by, nothing hits the East Coast. And he's like, or it could have been the West Coast. Yeah. Yeah. You know, well, like, and, it and basically just doubling up his. Or the East Indies Coast, because there was a storm in that area at some point well, right? and think about this like the he's saying this like basically a year after the tsunami hit southeast asia right so he just takes relevant news stories he's like that's happening next to us it Soviet happened to them woo. could happen to us yep 2007 pat drops some more future knowledge on 700 club viewers saying god told him there would be a major terrorist attack in the u.s later that year i'm not necessarily saying it's going to be nuclear he said the lord didn't say nuclear but I do believe it'll be something like that. Mm, nothing happened. No. 2008. <laughs> 2008. Robertson comes back with more predictions to terrify his audience. At this point, when the hell do you say, I'm maybe out on this, Pat? Well, I know. No, this is just scare tactics. Alex Jones you know does I mean? it to non-Christians all the time. Every election cycle, Alex Jones tells people that the president is going to declare martial law. Except for he loves <laughs> Trump. And then, like you know, the first time you're like, well, that's a scary thought. But if, when you miss, you're batting fucking zero, That's man. A, yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. In 2008, Robertson comes back with more predictions to terrify his audience. He says there will be a huge war in the Middle East that might result in nuclear attacks on the U.S. again. Nuclear. He's hung up on the nuclear thing. Well, yeah, it's back like the, the, it's the ultimate end. Of course. Right. Man. right. It almost sounds like he was just watching. What was that show with Kiefer Sutherland? 24. 24 yeah it was like yeah. he was watching 24 and yeah. like that happened like a nuclear bomb <laughs> went off in there he's like that's gonna happen now well and what's interesting to me too is uh with these televangelists and stuff like that there's always sort of a hint that they want it of course you know what i mean like, no they the, want doom to happen they would that absolutely just pushes profit their of base that. towards them well, they profit off it and then what they fear what, what they do is and this is this is my own personal opinion but the people that are sort of like tuned into that a lot of times they're not happy with their life and they feel like the apocalypse is the like judgment day and that they will be rewarded for being devout. And that's like their ticket out. Like they don't like living like on this earth. They're like, Oh, it's so Just sinful. Can't wait for the next one. Yeah. They, yeah. And they're like, yeah, sure. I, th my true reward is in heaven. And these guys pray off that. So I just want to fast track my way up to that. Yeah. They're like, Oh, all you guys are going to get done. I've read revelations. I get to go to heaven because I've been devout and this is the end times. And so they're like, scared but they're like this is kind of gonna be fucking sweet my god man you have to throw the pc disclaimer out there in my personal opinion that is no fucking way to live life mm -hmm. oh no my god it's man. not just you trying to fast I mean? forward through life no. to get to what you think may happen yeah. afterwards that i was uh, talking to a relative and uh, she was just telling me she was like you know i just i don't like this world and I was like, I love it. This shit's awesome. Like, I, I don't ever want to die. Like, I hope that you can, like, load my fucking brain up into a computer chip so I can just keep doing cool shit. You know what I'm saying? I'm like, you got to find stuff that you like, dude. Like, but again, uh, you know, look, if people believe in this stuff, then they, they it's like literally like there's no that's like the highest level that's thing. That's what there. gives them hope. Yeah. But I mean, God, what a thing to put all your hope into. It's uh, it's sad, dude. Uh. Robertson says Israel will bomb Iranian nuclear sites between November and January. Russia will get in and it will conclude when God has rained fire on the islands of the sea and on the invading forces coming against Israel. That didn't happen. Either. No. Huh? He tells his viewers, if there was ever time for fervent prayer, it is now. 2012. 
Following a series of devastating tornadoes that rolled through the Midwest, Robertson blames the people living there, saying, If enough people were praying, God would have intervened. You could pray. Jesus still the storms. You can still the storms. They Jesus live in fucking Christ. tornado alley. Yeah. I mean, good God, this is science, people. Mm-hmm. That is where tornadoes occur very often, is in what's called tornado alley. Yeah, why not just it's say... Because they didn't fucking pray enough. Yeah, why not just say, like, I'm really sorry that happened, like, and then send help Money, to them. Yeah. Resources. Re- exactly. Like, really do it. What, bottles of water would be better than tell them it's their fault for not praying hard. <laughs> right. You know? Honestly, anything, a fart would be better than fucking blaming them for it. Right. It's all the lesbians over there. Yeah. To, uh, 2014, Robertson predictions continue. The world is going to be chaos. There's going to be some kind of credit crisis, and I think China is going to lead the way. The Iranians will have a nuclear device before the end of the year. Republicans will win control of the Congress, but they will not have a veto-proof majority, which he actually nailed that one. The president is going to be discredited and withdraw to Hawaii. Didn't happen. And it'll be the greatest year in the history of the church. What year? 2014. Mm-hmm. Greatest year or most profitable? Yeah, I don't know. It's For him, it's both, right? 2015, Supreme Court rules that gay people should have the equal opportunity to marry and are to receive the full rights that it entails. Pat is fucking pissed. I bet. I yeah. bet he is, right? He goes on to the 700 Club that day and is all, uh, You're going to say that you like anal sex? You like oral sex? You like bestiality? Sooner or later, you're going to have to conform your religious beliefs to the group of some abhorrent thing. It won't stop at homosexuality. Again, shots fired directly. Yeah. Like, dude, ease up off the fucking... Exactly. Like, explicit gay sex shit. Yeah. Like, look, but, we get what, it, man. If you're gay, that's cool. That's how that works if you're gay. That's how you have sex, right? Like, But what happened to it? the whole, like, love thy neighbor? Mm. Like, ah, you know, like... Out the window, brother. Yeah, this man. evangelical shit... The Pentecostals, like, speaking in tongues, that shit is legit, in my Nuts. opinion. Nuts. Like you said, fucking crazy. I was there. I don't it's get it. It's fucking crazy. I just don't get it. I don't get, I don't where, get it at all. Either. Where, like, your belief system could be based off something so extreme. Something and I don't that, care what religion you're in. Yeah. You know what I mean? All religions have these extremists that are just fucking, I don't get it. I yeah. just don't I'm just understand. like, just don't but be But it's dick. supposed to be, like, based in love. And well, the, it, the, look, now, here's, here's the thing. If they're like you. Jesus in the New Testament largely did talk about the love thing. The Old Testament is very fucking like medieval on your ass type of shit. The New Testament is Jesus being like, look, chill. Like I said, he hung out with prostitutes. He helped people that were blind. He helped Kids braided his hair. They braided his hair. He had pulled pork barbecue on the Sermon on the Mount. He had all that. But I'm saying like, that's the thing. But the Christians base it on that. But the thing is like, their whole thing is completely opposite of what Jesus in the Bible talked about. And all right, total side note, we might edit this out. Jesus totally was Arabic. You know what I mean? He looked like a Middle Eastern person. He was Jewish. He, yeah, exactly. He was yep. a yeah, he exact he was a very he from Israel. Israel. Yep. Exactly. He looked very Middle Eastern. Have you ever seen the actual picture of what they recreated what he would look like? Because they went and they dug up skeletons of men from that time. It's hilarious. He looks like a Geico caveman. <laughs> I'm serious. <laughs> If you had a, you know, I, I my, recommend everybody. My mom just like she woke up out of her sleep just yeah. on that comment. Right, I know there. it hurts, <laughs> but I'm like, look, I'm not the one that did the study here. They did the bones of like most, you know, Israeli men at that time, and then you're like, well, that's what he sort of looked like. There you go, top. There it is, right there. There that's he what, is. If okay. Jesus was a typical uh, Israeli uh, at that time or whatever, that's what he would look like, and he looks like a guy cocaine man. I mean, that looks. 
pretty. I mean, I I'd pass that off for Jesus, or at least some one of his uh, the twelve apostles well, probably looked all beard like that. Was probably take, longer. Yeah, I would take assume. that picture and then take the 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 white Jesus there with the halo. It's a little different. Yeah, it's a little different. It, though, you know it, what it looks right? like? That guy looks like he plays bass in like a soft metal band. <laughs> it looks, no, he that looks like the guy with the. Nickelback. It looks like if he had the Instagram like face filtering, oh, yeah. like you know, like picture taken. Mm-hmm. Handsome mofo, not that one though. <laughs> All right, but he, so here's the deal: like he's talking about. Sorry, Jesus, didn't mean to cut on your good looks, buddy. Hey, man, you're the savior. It's cool, but yeah, like I said, uh, he's talking. He's talking about like them, like an anal sex and oral sex, and now, of course that equates to bestiality for some reason. But whatever. But there's two things. I'm saying like at uh, this point, this guy's an old fucking senile dude just talking shit. I, he would say, yeah, because basically would, it's like I like blowjobs, I like to fuck my wife in the ass, and maybe I'll tap the dog at the same time. No, like, yeah, but he's trying to equate. And this is what I'm saying: like saying that gay people should have like equal opportunity under the law to marry is insane. That you're inherently condoning anal sex or oral sex. But number two, I bet Pat condones anal and oral when it comes to Didi. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I mean, right. There's just no fucking way that Pat wasn't at least one time like, come on, deeds. Let me try it just once, honey. All the acts are sacrosanct in the Lord's eyes under the protection of the marital vows, even the booty sex. And I'm the head of this family. So, you know, spread them cheeks, girl. It's like um, having sex with a piece of calamari. There you go. <laughs> and that is where I choose to wrap this up. With Pat Robertson hypothetically begging for butt sex from his wife. <laughs> it's a good place to end it up. Yeah, isn't it, though? The calamari ending. There it is. There's plenty more, but I think we've conveyed the reality of Pat Robertson pretty well. So, final scores. Excellent. All right. I will go first. This guy fucking pissed me off. Hearing about a lot of the the details behind the, the blood diamonds, the gold mining, and the true kind of intent behind a lot of his what so-called help, that kind of angers me. I'm up in my rating on this uh, gentleman. Well, I use that term loosely to a 7.5. Wow. All right. All right. We had quite a jump on that. We did. Two full points. Oh, man. All right, buddy. What you got? So I have a hard time with this guy. I started off with a 6.0 on my initial reading on him. It doesn't sound like he's murdered anybody, but he has straight contributed to a lot of uh, everything that he had uh, in the blood diamonds and weaseling money out of people i mean i wonder how many people sat there and are like i don't know i i I don't have enough money for groceries this week but also i need to be contributing to the church spoiler alert a lot a lot you know what i mean like and so you know and all of it ended up contributing to his double decker golden toilet no double decker Uh, golden toilet the one that jesus dropped on him exactly it's kind of like when uh jerry's uh nana donated to pbs to be a kramer uh, for $1,500 when she was on a very fixed income. Mm-hmm. And Uncle Leo had to jump in in the middle of the PBS broadcast and announce to everyone that she was on a fixed income and couldn't afford that. Yeah, that's... Uh, I mean, that's, I mean, Seinfeld like, reference had to, had to lay that one out there. So we've got a lot of people that are on fixed incomes that are sitting there contributing to the church. I feel it a lot because I know that like even my, my mom a lot of the times felt guilt by not contributing more to the church back when i was growing up well and they've got the ultimate like carrot right stick and carrot yeah they're like exactly hey you dude if you this, know, you're going to hell for right. eternity that's you right know, when i was growing up and maybe this is the core of one of the reasons that i have such distrust and 
priests and stuff like that. When I was young, I at 16, I was, you know, kind of getting to that point to where I was starting to waver a little bit. I went to church one time and they have the front mass and then they have kind of like the overflow section. Mm-hmm. And I went up into the overflow section because I was maybe like five minutes late or something like that. But I was still 16, still showing up at mass in the Catholic faith. You read the first three readings and then the priest gets into, you know, his sermon. Yep. And as he gets into the sermon, he looks at me and he goes, son, why don't you come and join us up here with the rest of every, with the rest that. of the he congregation, specifically? specifically called me out. I was Yikes. like, why don't you come and join the rest of the congregation? I was like, no, I'm cool right where I'm at. He goes, son, God is going to punish you mm. if you don't come and join the rest of the church up here in the congregation. Real story. 100%. I'd be like, let 100%. him tell me that. Buddy, I've known you fucking almost 30 years, dude, and I've never heard this story. And I straight up stood up and walked out of the Catholic Church at that point. That was the straw that broke the camel's back for me. Yeah. Was that a priest tell me that God was going to penalize me mm-hmm. for where I sat Yeah. in his house, basically. Yeah. Wow. Wow. So, you know, I've, I've always had this strong distrust for organized religion, watched how they battered my mom and made her feel bad for not contributing more. Yeah. So this is also just it just eh, he's just another same thing. So, Pat Robertson, you didn't kill anybody, but I'm still going to jump you up to a 7.0 as my final asshole score. But I really want to I really want to score you higher. All right. But 7.0, final asshole. Here's my score, and then I'll explain why. A nine. Ooh, wow. Here's the reality, right. man. Wow. Here's the God, reality. I love you a little yeah. bit more there, Here Mikey. There Here's the reality, dude. Rodrigo Duterte is a bad dude. We rated him around that same level or whatever. And he was very open about what he is, right? There's no... Rodrigo Duterte doesn't couch what he is. He tells you straight up what he's going to do. He's a horrible human being. He directly killed people. Now, Pat Robertson didn't directly kill people himself with his own hands that we know of. I'm sure he didn't. But he contributed to the deaths of many, many people. And I'm talking about not just the deaths of people, but like horrific deaths. Like if you ever spend time going and seeing what happens in these diamond mines in Africa, these gold mines in Africa and stuff like that, these people die all the time. Even if they don't die. And that's part of why my score jumped so high. Because yeah. I do, I have read and learned a little bit about the history and the, I mean, just yeah. humanity. He just buddy, he was buddy, buddy with guys like Mobutu, with Charles Taylor. And these guys did kill people regularly. He was buddies with a guy who sparked off the whole thing in Rwanda almost and led to a legitimate genocide of a million people. He was A-OK with that for his own personal gain. While he's doing that, he is positioning himself as if he's a holy man and that he's better than everybody. And while he's doing that, he's ripping off the, unfortunately, the desperate people, you know, the old, the elderly people that are not happy, like I said earlier, with their positions in life. Look, you don't have to kill somebody with your own hands to be responsible for the death and misery of multiple people. And on the scale that he has done it, it's it's so high that there's just no way that I would feel good about saying that he is not on the same rank as Duterte in the sense that he's a charlatan and he's just a horrible human being. So I like I knew that he sucked when I went into it, but when I read all this stuff, there's just no fucking way that he's just not a nine, man. And uh, I'll take that to the fucking grave. You know what? Hearing all that, I feel compelled. Wow. All right. Are we going with a score change? My score on that. I do feel I feel compelled. This is a first ever. This is is a first ever. An asshole asshole court court first. You know, I, I, I think that I'm actually going to raise my score to an 8.0 on All him because right. I feel like 7.0 is just a little bit too low. 
for this guy. So I am going to raise my final asshole score to an 8.0. All right. All right. On Pat Robertson. All right. So with scores of 7.5, 8.0, and 9.0, Pat Robertson comes in at 8.16, repeating. As his and let's go score. ahead and just state the obvious here. That's 8.1666. All right. So. <laughs> Shots fired, buddy. Hey, God has told me something. Pat Robertson is the devil. That's right. We hope you guys enjoyed the hell out of the show. If you liked us, definitely let us know in the comments. And if you didn't, well, um, better luck next time. Also, if you have uh, anybody that you'd like to hear about, hit us up on Facebook or on Instagram. Let us know because we're always looking for subjects that are assholes. So thank you very much. Let's run through the courtroom. Love you guys. Thank you. Thanks for listening. And we hope you enjoyed the show. If you want to hear more of Asshole Court, find us anywhere you download your favorite podcast. Give us a good rating on your favorite platform. It really does help. You'll definitely want to follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at AHC Podcast. We'd love to hear from you, depending on what you have to say. So until next time, remember the golden rule. Don't be an asshole, or you might find yourself on Asshole Court.